Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. GEICO.com. This is Dan Patrick. Hour two on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Heard from Charles Barkley last hour. Always entertaining. If you missed any of the interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the DP Show app. Charles had some parting shots for Draymond Green, but I'm curious if Draymond returns fire with Charles Barkley. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at show. McLovin has settled on a poll question, I believe. Well, you might not like this. Okay. If you were a team that wanted to sign Tom Brady, oh, no. but Tom Brady called you and said you also have to sign my friend Antonio Brown, who he's been linked to lately, would you do that package deal, say you're Tennessee? Well, what if you're Oakland? I know. You can't. Like, well, that's the only, Vegas, yeah. yeah, that's the only one that would be, yeah, the Raiders. That would be the only one that would be interesting. If, if you're Tennessee and you can get Tom Brady and you have to bring in Antonio Brown, I think with the caveat of saying, if he doesn't live up to our standards, then we will cut him like everybody else has. But, yeah, I, w- I would do that as a package deal if Brady wanted that. You wouldn't be nervous about Antonio Oh, oh yeah. No, I can always cut him. I mean, I want Brady. If, if, if that's the baggage that goes along with Brady and it's Antonio Brown, yeah, I can always say, hey, look, we're going to be the ones that have the final say here, whether uh, you know he stays or not. I don't know why Tom has taken such a vested interest in Antonio Brown. Like, I don't know what that friendship was like, that, that brief uh, stay that he had in New England, but apparently had an impact on him. Yes, McLeod. Did you see that story that the Patriots are, sniff, quote-unquote, sniffing around the trade market for wide receivers? No. Yeah. Does that confirm that everything we thought last year, they really didn't have any weapons for Tom? But that's why they wanted to keep – they went and got Josh Gordon in his troubled history. That's why they tried to still talk themselves into keeping Antonio Brown. They were desperate. They realized that they had no weapons whatsoever. Nikhil Harry didn't develop. They don't have a tight end. You know, Edelman is, what, 33 now. You know, they're talking about bringing back Chris Hogan. I mean, they need some weapons. Hunter Henry, if he's healthy, would be a great guy for them to pick up. The Charger tight end, who I believe is an unrestricted free agent. That would be somebody where you go, okay, now we have. If if I'm the Patriots, I can't believe I'm getting into this topic again. McLovin! But if you're the Patriots, you have to decide if Brady's coming back, what do we need to have to ensure success now like this is the reason why he wants to come back because I, I I think Brady might look at this and say all right you know what I want money wise now what are you going to do weapon wise give me an idea what your plan is and you know because Brady may say look you want me back I don't want to come back I mean I think that's a distinct possibility here yeah, McLovin. Well, what about if it goes to the next quarterback, Jared Stidham or Andy Dalton or Ryan Tannehill? Don't you need a lot of weapons for him? Probably even more than you need for Brady. Yeah, but it's not one of those that, uh, hey, Andy, we didn't get all the weapons you want. Oh, I don't want to go there. Or Jared Stidham says, hey, I don't I don't want to start. 
I mean, Dalton would hitchhike there. Now, Brady's looking at this. This is his last contract. This is his last opportunity to win another Super Bowl. He's going to go, mm, I don't like what you're doing there. I don't like the game plan that you have here. But didn't the Patriots have a chance to sign Brady a couple of years ago and Belichick didn't want to do that? So what makes you think that this time around Belichick's going to go, yeah, you know, a 42-year-old Tom Brady coming off one of his worst seasons, now we want to extend him. Uh Speaking to somebody yesterday who's involved in this whole process and, you know, doesn't want his name mentioned, but he said, look, the reality is I think both of these guys can walk away from one another, that Belichick can walk away from Brady. And the fact that Robert Kraft, who doesn't say anything or hasn't said anything, said, uh, according to Tom Curran, that, uh, hey, I'm not going to get involved in this. That leads me to believe if you're not getting involved in this, there is a real strong chance that Tom Brady is not back, and it might be because Bill Belichick does not want him back. I think that's just the facts. You know, that, that's not trying to glam this up, sensationalize it. I think that's just the, the harsh reality of this. Belichick can move on. He's moved on from every player that he's had, and he may love them. But he moves on. Richard Seymour, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Logan Mank. I mean, run down the list. He has no problem going, yeah, I'm moving on. And he usually moves on a year before, not a year later. Yes, he Are you really putting Tom Brady in the same category as all those dudes? Belichick is. I'm not. I wouldn't. But I think Belichick is. Belichick's... He's cold-blooded. Yeah, it does seem like he's pretty clear that Tom's just another player. Yes, he treats him that way. And and I think they're treating him that way now. You know, you have other teams that look at, you know, the, the Saints with Drew Brees. Could they be actually better without Drew Brees? You could, you could make a case they could be. But, you know, Sean Payton wants to have Drew Brees back. Teddy Bridgewater could be just as good as Drew Brees this year. Taysom Hill might give them something that is completely unique and makes them even tougher to beat. But they're loyal to Drew Brees. Now, you can be loyal to a fault, and we'll find out if that's the case with the Saints. But I, I think Belichick can walk away from Brady, and I think Brady can walk away from Belichick. Yeah, Paul. And it's not like Belichick is walking away from Brady when he's 36, like the Giants with Eli Manning. The guy's mid-40s, early to mid-40s. I know, I know. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle with show. Check out the new gear available, the Dan Patrick Show store. Uh, we got fresh T-shirts for St. Patrick's Day. We got a Mookie Betts T-shirt and, of course, some uh, fan faves like McLovin's Broken Glasses, all available, danpatrick.com, to check them out. I'm going to have more details here probably tomorrow about our March Madness contest. You can be, everybody can be involved in the Celebrity Bracket Challenge. Everybody can be. The winner of the Celebrity Bracket Challenge, who's a member of the audience, uh, our fans, will become a Danette for a day. That's the grand prize for whoever wins the Celebrity Bracket Challenge, Danette for a day. Unless it's a celebrity who may want to be a Danette for a day, but the only person who's ever wanted to do that was Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory. But they are eligible to apply. if, If Michael Douglas, the great actor, or Adam Sandler wants to be a Danette for a day, Who am I to stand in their way? But I'll have details for you uh, on that coming up. Also, still waiting for some ideas, T-shirts for the uh, fanettes, our chat room, as you'd like to be called. 
apparently there's some, you know, there's unrest with the collective bargaining agreement with the uh, NFL players and voting. Uh, apparently there's some unrest in the chat room from what Mario told me that not everybody's big on the fanettes. But you had your opportunity over the weekend to vote and the fanettes won by a landslide. All right, we have our poll question. Uh, Joe in California joins us. Hi, Joe. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Um, I think what's interesting about this CBA is that these owners are playing 40 chess, and I don't think they're getting enough credit for it because what they've done is is they've pitted the players against themselves. Yep. They've pitted the 60 against the 40, and while they're focused on that, they can slide anything in the back door on that CBA that's not going to get as much attention because wisely – They've went after one thing that the players care about more than probably anything else, and that's their money. Well, the 17 games, the fact that – and thanks for the phone call, Joe. The fact that the owner said it's non-negotiable, everything's negotiable. And why are you dictating what's non-negotiable? Because that's the one thing the players had. What can we get – if we give you that 17th game, now what do we get? I just don't think they got enough. And I think that it is the haves and the have-nots. I truly believe that. If I'm in the have-nots category, I'm voting for this. Because who knows how long I get to play. But while I get to play, I'm going to get an extra check, that 17th game, an extra chance at the playoffs. The guys who are making a million dollars a game, you know, they don't want to play a 17th game. They don't want to run that risk. Like they, you know, that these are the things that are coming up now. You're starting to hear this because I think a lot of these players didn't really dive into what was going on leading up to that 456-page document. You know, we've all gotten memos, emails from our bosses, and you go, "Nah, that doesn't really relate to me." Nah, delete. Nah, delete. And then all of a sudden, somebody says, uh, uh, "You haven't responded to what?" Sent you that email two months ago. You're supposed to respond, and because of that, you can't get into this uh, health program. What? Yeah. That's what it feels like here with uh, some of these players. That, that Now they're coming out making these strong statements. Now we push the vote to Saturday. And if you voted before, you can't go on second thought. I want to vote differently here. <laughs> you know, can't. there's no do-overs here. But there's still a lot going on, but as a fan... Just tell me about 17 games. When does it start? How many home games? How many away games? Is there a neutral site? Uh, what's the salary cap going to be like? Is franchise tag change? And are we going to be playing games in other countries? And the playoffs. That's all. You know, the other stuff, you know, I don't think we care about somebody's health and their you know, health benefits when they're done. Yeah, we're more concerned about what's going to happen in free agency in the draft than what happens to you when you're 32 years of age and not playing football anymore. We talked a little bit about the coronavirus, and you're starting to see a little bit more of a move with what leagues are going to do, how they're going to handle this. And as we move forward, what's going to happen in three weeks at the Final Four? Because you got college games going on now, and you got fans, 15 20,000 at a game, you know, the risk of that. The Olympics might be in jeopardy here. You have soccer matches in Italy. Basically, Italy is in lockdown. They're talking about 14 million people on lockdown, quarantine. Soccer matches, no fans. I think we're headed that in that direction. 
Um, and frankly, I hope we are headed in the direction. If we're going to have sporting events, then let's not run the risk. I know it's about money. It's always about money. But in this situation, I think these leagues really got to take a hard look at this to say, what are we jeopardizing here? Because we don't have all the answers. We can sit here and go, you know, it's just like the common, it's like flu, the flu. Okay. But it's not. Yeah, people die from the flu. I know. But we at least have some kind of vaccine for you there. We don't even know anything about the coronavirus. We know very little about this. And it felt like we got started a little later than we should have. And now you try to play catch up. So I can't, I'm not going to sit here and go, boy, somebody overreacted. Because I, I don't know. I mean, I know what's at stake. What's going on in the Bay Area? We're going to limit the number of people who can go to a sporting event. Can't have more than 1,000. It's happening. And LeBron James said something that was ill-advised, flippant, in my uh, opinion, where he said, hey, if the fans aren't going to be at games, I'm not going to play. Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about with the coronavirus. And fans are still going to be watching the games on TV. But I, I think we're going to get to that point. I really do. And uh, the fact that, you know, you're starting to see just pockets here, I think I think there's going to be a real hard decision to be made uh, by the NCAA because I would not be surprised if the you know, Final Four is played uh, basically an empty arena in Atlanta, fan-free. I really believe that we could be headed there. Yeah, Paul. Do you think that these leagues, even though there's no NFL right now and baseball is just getting started, will make the decision together as one announcement? Or do you think one league will do something or the NCAA will do something, and because of public pressure, the other leagues will follow in line quickly? Well, you have spring training games in Florida, and there have been cases of the coronavirus in Florida. But you're still having, you know, 10,000 people show up for a baseball game. So South by Southwest was canceled. Uh, Coachella was canceled, but we're still going to have people at sporting events. Like I, I just, there's a disconnect there. For some reason, we feel like, hey, we're we're safe at a sporting event. We're not. We don't we don't know right now. And I think these leagues, it's going to take somebody else to react before the NCAA reacts, in my opinion, because the NCAA is slow moving. Yeah, McLeod. From a personal standpoint, uh, my brothers and I were going to go down to the Sixers-Hawks game next week, Saturday night in Philly with my dad. But my dad's 75, perfectly good health. But we just we just said, nah, I don't want to go. I mean, does that ring true to you guys? Yeah, like, I, I, we were going to buy it in StubHub. We didn't have tickets yet. Yeah, I get it. Like I, I'm not going to say, oh, you're overreacting. It's, it's whatever you feel comfortable doing. You know, somebody shouldn't say, oh, you're overreacting. I think we're underreacting. I mean, I... I just precautionary moves right now before we get this kind of under control because we do not know. And you see what's happening, you know, in uh, China, in Asia, you know, in other countries. The fact that Italy is doing what they're doing, uh, that's, that's a bold move. Hopefully we don't get there. But the fact that they said we're quarantining you know, 14 million people. Michael in Arizona. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good, sir. Uh, good morning, and thank you for taking the call. Uh, I know you're talking about sports being affected, and I know you're more into ball and sticks, but this is my uh, thing. I'm in a Formula One and Indy car, and I looked the other day. Um, Formula One has 1.922 billion 
viewers, and they're getting ready to cancel the uh, Chinese race, and they got one in Vietnam that's probably going to get canceled. And they also, one of their big races is in Italy. So uh, I'd like to see what you think about that uh, affecting almost 2 billion people. Thanks for the call. Uh, Thanks for uh, talking to me. Thank you, Michael. Well, you know, these leagues, obviously there's research that goes into this, and you're not going to make a move like that unless you have some kind of information that says, look, i got to protect these drivers who go in there too. Like you owe it to those drivers if they're going to be exposed to anything. And how much exposure are you going to have? And then you, you can't go, well, it's just a little bit of exposure. You can't do that. And if you're going to be in China, you're going to be in Vietnam, you're going to be in Italy, I understand why you're going to cancel this. And you may not like it, you know, because, hey, we're America, and, and games go on, and after 9-11, and we had a baseball game, and President Bush threw out the first pitch. I mean, I love that resiliency, but I also I want to know, what, what are we up against here? And I don't think we know. But I do think that we're going to find out here in the next, you know, seven to ten days, two weeks of where we're headed with sporting events here in the immediate future. I truly think that there is going to be a change, hopefully temporary, but there's going to be a change. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this with uh, a writer who knows a lot more about this than I do, Ben Cohen from The Wall Street Journal. He will join us. Uh, Your phone calls are always welcome. And if you missed any of the interviews, you can always go to the DP Show app. Uh, Charles Barkley was a lot of fun an hour ago. So you can uh, download that and listen to it whenever you want to. You can also watch the show whenever you want to on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. If you missed yesterday's show, you can go back and watch it. Uh, If you're watching today but you have to stop because you might have to go to work, you can come back and watch it. Uh, This is what we wanted to do. We wanted to give you the access to this. And, uh, you know, the response has been unbelievable. You know, close to uh, 100,000 uh, viewers each day watching the program. Have a cut-down version. The French Kid does a cut-down version of the podcast, video podcast. So we're uh, listening to you in uh, ways that you want to consume the show. So we, uh, we appreciate your loyalty. 19 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. It's the greatest time of the year in sports. NFL, college football, MLB, NBA, and NHL. What else can a sports fan ask for? All the action you want is every day at one place and one place only. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all this incredible action at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. TurboTax believes taxes shouldn't be so complicated and daunting. People do amazing things every day, so it makes no sense if they should feel like they can't do their taxes. Look at me. I'm a genius, right? If you hear me on the Dan Patrick Show, I have so much trouble with my taxes. But that's why TurboTax provides you with tools and encouragement you need to do your taxes with ease and confidence. For instance, TurboTax Live features CPAs on demand, which gives you access to certified tax professionals anywhere and even on nights and weekends. With CPAs on demand, you get easy access to an actual real-life CPA or EA for tax answers and advice. Who can give you answers and advice to help you make sure you get the best possible outcome. With CPAs on demand, expert help is tailored to you and your particular tax situation. So you'll never, ever feel alone or stuck when you're doing your taxes. TurboTax Live with CPAs on demand helps you get your taxes done quickly and easily so you can get back to all the other amazing things you do every day. TurboTax, 
All people are tax people. That's TurboTax. Remember, if you're amazing at other things, you can definitely be amazing at taxes as well. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com, a family business founded back in 1999 and uh, run by automotive engineers. They had two goals in mind. First, to give you direct access to all the parts information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. Second, making those parts affordable, offering reliably low prices. Rockauto.com, a lot of the parts you probably were told no longer available or dealer only. Parts are delivered right to your home or office. You don't waste time. Looking for these parts, phoning, driving, waiting in lines, go to rockauto.com. Make sure you tell them we sent you all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We'd like to point out that the American Unathletic Association of America, we have been playing in front of no fans since 2019. So we were the first league, I think. Really leading the way. Ahead of the curve. Yeah, so our our basketball league here, we have been playing uh, fan-free games since 2019. Uh, Purvis in Montana joins us. Hey, Purvis, what do you have for me? Hey, nice to talk to you, Dan. Happy St. Dan's Day. Well, thank and, you. Uh, the neutral site games, if they did the 17th game, I think they could make that very interesting. They, they could have Atlanta and New Orleans play in Birmingham. Maybe have Detroit and Buffalo play in Toronto. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of places with that, Purvis. Thanks for the phone call. You know, but I think that they, they still want to expand this you know, to the European markets. Or at least they talked about Germany, uh, obviously with London, you know, maybe Mexico City. I don't know if you have – you may not have a team that is, you know, that's their home base in London, but you might have a season of games there in London from what I'm told. So you might have eight home games in London – It'll be just different teams rotating through there. Uh, more phone calls coming up. And uh, do you have an update there, McLevin, on the poll question? Yeah, since you uh, didn't stop me from doing it, I put up the bracketologist poll. <laughs> which seasonal what sports are you media doing today? Which seasonal sports media job would you want? Bracketologist, <laughs> NFL draft expert, or horse racing analyst? It's closer than you think. 48% draft expert. 29% bracketology. I don't want to be a bracketologist. You're like a PhD in bracketology. No, I don't I don't want a PhD. It, it, I just want a bachelor's degree in it. That's it. <laughs> you don't want to say, this guy's going to be the 11 seed now. But who else is a bracketologist? Ken Palm? Like, come on. <laughs> that I, is a guy whose name only comes up for Jeff, one week a year. Jeff Sagrin? Like, I don't, I don't want to. I want him to be... Daniel Jeremiah on the NFL Network as a draft analyst or you know, some of these guys on the mothership. Yeah, Paul. Is there anything more niche than the guy who does play-by-play for the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? He does about 45 minutes of work a year. Hmm. It's publicly. But is there only one eating competition a year? There's a bunch, but there's only one live televised on ESPN. Does he, does he travel? Is he the... He's actually the commissioner... Yeah. Of everything. He runs the league, too, mm-hmm. and he does play-by-play. Mm-hmm. Cut costs. Yeah. yeah, it's time. It's kind of a frankless job. I, okay, I got it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, it is. I mean, see, now we, we graded on a curve. We kind of a frankless job. <laughs> <laughs> can't even give me a B-minus for that. I thought that was a wiener. All right. Yeah. Oh! Oh! All, right. All right. All right. Frank you. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, there Don. You go. Thank you for your service. We try. Is uh, Ben Cohen with sure us? Ben Cohen, he's a big-time sports reporter, Wall Street Journal. Ben, you might want to bail on this. You might not want to be affiliated with this. It's guilt by association. But uh, welcome to the program. Author of uh, The Hot Hand, available wherever books are sold. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, I noticed you've written a little bit about the coronavirus. Where, uh, where, where do you think the tipping point is going to be uh, sports-wise with the coronavirus? I think it's going to be the July 4th hot dog eating contest. Right. <laughs> no, I, I, I do think it's coming. I mean, to me, this whole thing is a bit like watching the Titanic approach the iceberg in slow motion. Like, we know what's going to happen. We know it's going to be very painful. And yet people on the deck haven't really wrapped their minds around it yet, I don't think. I mean, the idea of playing games in empty stadiums was unrealistic not too long ago, but it's already become reality in Asia and Europe. And there's nothing really about being in the U.S. that inoculates us from this. Um, we seem to be a few weeks behind Asia and Europe, I think, in terms of the spread of this virus. And so it would not really surprise me in the least to see extreme measures being enforced here pretty soon. I think there's a real possibility for severe disruptions at, like, the busiest time of the calendar for American sports. But I also wonder about this, Ben. The NCAA is slow moving. You've got the final four. <laughs> the final four coming up in April. And I wonder if they would have the wherewithal to be the first league that would make a really dramatic decision and have these basketball games played, you know, in, in front of empty arenas. Well, I think the Final Four is not the issue. I mean, that's 100,000 people in a football stadium. But the thing about the Final Four is that it's a month away. And I think that the NBA and the NHL will probably have moved by then. It seems like they're probably going to move at some point this week. I mean, it just feels yeah. like the momentum is heading that way. So, you know, the, the NCAA has to worry about first-round games first, right? I mean, so that's next week. I mean, there are conference tournaments this weekend. Vanderbilt has sent kids home and, and, and canceled classes, and yet the SEC tournament is, is down the street in Nashville. So um, the NCAA is not the most progressive body. I don't know if you were aware of that, and um, I think there will probably have to be some pressure from local authorities and states and, and maybe even, um, you know, on, on the federal level. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what they are going to do. I mean, the, the idea of playing the NCAA tournament um, in empty arenas is very strange, right? But it's a little bit different from the NBA playoffs because these are neutral side games anyway. So there's not a home court advantage that either team has. I think it would just be weird more than anything. I mentioned that uh, you wrote the book, The Hot Hand. It's available uh, online wherever books are sold. And I was fascinated by this because it was a couple of decades ago. I did a story at ESPN. It was called uh, Getting Blue or Getting in the Zone, as athletes call it, Getting Blue or In the Zone. And I remember talking to Dennis Eckersley, and I said, what's that feeling like? And he said, I can't describe it. He goes, I don't want to talk about it because I'll talk myself out of it. But you've written a book about really getting in the zone here, the hot hand. So explain to the audience what the, uh, the initiative or the premise was behind writing this. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's really no singular definition of the hot hand, but I like to think of it as when success leads to more success. And in basketball, for example, it's always been studied in basketball. And it's when you make one shot in a row and then another and then another, and you feel like you're going to make your next shot, right? You can't miss. You're in the zone. You're on fire. Um, but what makes this really interesting is that um, a few decades ago, there was this classic study about the hot hand. And what made it a classic was the counterintuitive conclusion that there is no such thing as the hot hand. It doesn't exist. It's simply seeing patterns in randomness. It was this cognitive bias, this easily digestible example um, of seeing patterns in randomness. And, you know, once that study came out, 
something kind of amazing happened, which is that nobody believed it. The athletes themselves, none of us, because we'd all felt the hot hand. We'd seen the hot hand for ourselves. Now, some of this has changed in recent years. There is some evidence to suggest that our intuition actually may have been right all along. But to me, like the reason I was so intrigued by this was that it was a story that has genius scholars and Nobel Prize winners and NBA superstars. Um, and it was really about something that um, we all thought to be true, only to be told that it wasn't, only to realize that maybe it actually was. And that was just irresistible to me as a story. But is there such thing as um, a home court advantage? Like, is that is that something, is that real? Where you have somebody who wins so many games in a row at home. Well, I think, yeah, statistically, there are clearly advantages to playing at home, right? Teams are, are better at home. This is a little bit different, right? Okay. Because we all, um, it, this is sort of like personal, right? It's, it's individual. Um, it's not a team thing. And I think the real thing here is one of control. Like, there's something amazing happens when we do feel hot, whether it's in basketball, whether it's in life. I'm sure you've felt hot behind the mic sometimes, right? There are just times when you're in a zone. And the question has always been, like, is that real or is that an illusion? And I think it's something that we are still trying to figure out. I'm still thinking about it, even after spending all these years writing about it. But you have uh, athletes who try to put themselves in the zone. Can you, can you physically do that? I don't think so. In fact, I asked Steph Curry about this because in the book I write about the one night that Steph Curry was the hottest he's ever been was really a game that changed his life and the fate of the Golden State Warriors and the future of the entire NBA. And it was a game against the Knicks in 2013. The most amazing part about it is that the Knicks actually won the game. But no matter that, I, I, I asked Steph, like, is, is there anything that you can do to put yourself in the zone? And he says he doesn't know when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen or how it's going to happen or why it's going to happen. But once it does happen, you have to embrace it. And he did that night. He scored 54 points. He made 11 of his 13 threes. It was kind of the game that changed everything for him and for us and for, you know, everybody who watches basketball. What about gambling, where you feel like you're on a roll, literally on a roll, uh, or roulette or, you know, craps? Um, does, it, does it play into that as well? Um, well, we think it does. Something odd happens when we walk into a casino. When we go to a basketball arena and Steph Curry makes three shots in a row, everybody thinks that he's going to make his fourth shot, right? That's the hot hand. When we walk into a casino and you go to a roulette wheel and the ball lands on red three times in a row, what research has shown is that people bet on black the next time. That's the opposite of the hot hand. It's called the gambler's fallacy. And to me, again, this is about control. When we have agency of a situation, when we are the shooters and when we're playing basketball, we think we can get hot. But when we understand that we were at the mercy of chance, we realize that we probably can't. And so the difference there is like of skilled performance and random performance. Skilled is when you can really take advantage, and random is when you probably shouldn't. And believing in the hot hand can be disastrous. It can backfire on you and burn you a little bit. Do you know more after you've done this or less after you've done this? That is a great question. I, I technically know more about the hot hand, but it's sort of made me question everything <laughs> around me. So it's possible that I just spent like three years um, becoming less smart about something, which is always a, a great way to spend three years. Uh, give me the athlete that you would love to talk to about this. Oh, about the hot hand. Well, I, you know, it was Steph, and I did get to talk to him. We saw LeBron talk about it a few weeks ago after he made 
five threes in like seven possessions. And he says, of course, the hot hand is real, which makes him like every other NBA player. Um, it, it actually might be Clay Thompson, just because you never quite know what's going to come out of Clay Thompson's mouth. And he, I think, like, you know, I wrote about Steph, but probably the guy who embodies the hot hand is his own teammate, right? Like to score 37 points in a quarter is still an insane achievement. And I've watched that, that YouTube clip over and over, and I know those shots are going in, and I still have no idea how he actually does it. So I would love to, like, insert some truth serum into him and just, like, just grill Clay for, like, an hour about, like, what that feels like. Ben, good luck with the book. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Dan. That's uh, Ben Cohen, Wall Street Journal sports reporter and author of The Hot Hand. Yeah, I remember Jordan against the Blazers in the NBA Finals where he looks over to the broadcasting team and basically shrugs like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, he wasn't a guy who shot threes, and he's making these threes, and he looks over and goes, I don't, I don't know. And I think we've all had that feeling, whether it's you're shooting hoops, you're, you're playing golf, there's just something where you go, this is different. And you get in, like you don't think about it. A lot of times amateur athletes think too much, whereas – the pros try not to think. They don't want to be you – know, John McEnroe famously told me, I said, you know, how do you do what you do? He goes, I don't know. Like he didn't want to break it down because then you start to think about it. An athlete doesn't want to go to the free throw line and go, okay, two dribbles, that elbow here, go good. They don't think about it that way. The athletes are on automatic they, – they're on autopilot. The amateur is always thinking. And therefore, you get in trouble because now it becomes mechanical. It doesn't become reactionary. And that's what, you know, he's talking about with the hot end. Yeah, Paul. But is it kind of chicken and, chicken and the egg where, let's say, Dan, you were playing basketball and you hit your first two shots. That could be a coincidence. But all of a sudden, you feel like you feel confidence and you have less doubt in yourself and you're more aggressive. Like the coincidence of making your first two or three shots could be just a coincidence because you're a good shooter makes you think, now I can do anything. These guys can't control me, and it boosts your confidence. No, this goes back to Malcolm Gladwell, where he says, you know, you basically need 10,000 hours, I think, to master something. And I think if you've, if you've done the work and then you get into a situation where you're making shots, then you, you know that, you, you know, you practice to get there. It's the guy, you know, Fritzy will take his hook shots out there. You know, he's not going to make three in a row. If he makes two in a row, I'm betting that he won't make the next one. You know, but you get to the point where these guys shoot these jump. I mean, Clay Thompson has shot a million jump shots. When he gets open, he he knows that he's in the right position. He's going to make those shots. How many opportunities does he get? Now he gets all those opportunities and he puts up 37 points in a quarter. I think that's what it comes down to. These guys, the repetition, like a golfer, a million swings. Tiger Woods is, how many, how many millions of swings has he taken? So when we see him hit a shot, we go, oh, my God, that's unbelievable. Well, he's put himself in that position to be great. It's the guy who hits shank after shank after shank, and then all of a sudden it's a chip shot and it goes in. You're like, okay, that's random. That won't happen again. Yeah, McLovin. But you can take a million swings. You can never recreate the pressure of having to hit that putt on the 18th with everybody watching. Yeah, but he's been in situations where he's had to have those putts, so he's put himself in those positions before. It's just it might not be like Phil Mickelson to win the Masters, but he's been in other positions, other tournaments, where he's been on the 18th, where he's got to make a big putt. We've never had that experience. It'd be like I've, I've shot thousands and thousands of free throws. But if you said, hey, at halftime of the Laker game, 
we want you to go out and shoot five free throws for charity. I went down to a basketball game at Rollins College last year, and I was shooting against the school president for some giveaways for the students. I was nervous as hell. And I could shoot. And I, I, I made the first one. I went, okay. And I was fine. I think I made four out of five. And I, but I was nervous of, in front of random people. These guys are so used to being out there in front of people, doing it in front of people, constantly. Yeah, Todd. But I still don't know how you explain those days. I wasn't some superstar little leaguer, but I do remember an occasional game where the ball looked bigger or it was coming in like in slow motion. When you know, I just was just seeing it a lot better than any other day, and you end up going four for five and hit a couple of doubles or whatever, and you, you want to repeat that, but you don't know how to do that the next game. I, you know, guys will talk about how they. They'd see the ball differently. It could be the time of day. I mean, there's so many things that go into it, but I do think the psychology of this is what fascinates me because they've studied athletes' brains. They've actually I, – they, I, I did a, a study on this at ESPN where they put sensors on my brain where you see things, and then how does that read? And that's what they do with athletes because athletes, you get in it, and you don't know how long you're going to stay, and then you fall out of it. In their minds – they get in the zone. It's called getting blue. But that's that's why Dennis Eckersley said, I, I don't know. I know it, but I don't know how to get in. I don't know how to get in. But when I'm in it, I know I'm in. Yeah, Paul. You're also talking about being clutch and wanting the ball at the end of the game. I read this article in a psychology magazine a while back where they did a study where there was an emergency and they judged how a fake emergency and they judged how people responded to it. And do people run to help? or run to a way to save their own skin. And they said that's, even they said on a lower level, it's similar in sports where the last shot, yeah, I want the last shot, or oh, I'm going to get out of the way because I don't want to be, I'm going to stay in the background so I don't get the last shot. Well, the guys would have alligator arms. That's, you know, when they didn't really want to take that last shot. So the arms got a little shorter there, and they didn't want to take it. I mean, it takes something inside of you that you're, you're willing to risk that. That you want that moment. Guys live for that moment. That's why you always say you got to work the ball to such and such. It's because they work for that moment. And they, they, the risk and the reward, they're fine with that. We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up right after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show. A couple of phone calls here. Greg in Florida joins us on the program. Greg, what's on your mind today? Hey, I got to hear some of your pickup game during the break. It was great. Um, listen, I played on the mini tours for a couple of years and uh, two, three years, and I had about 10 jillion golf clubs. And one, one, one day I went out and I shot a 27 on the front nine, starting out with a hole in one. Wow. And I think it, 
to, to your point of what you're saying before, I think it has a lot to do with with hitting a million shots, doing what you're doing. But also, it was an out of body experience. Felt like I wasn't doing much of anything. Yeah, and that's what guys will talk about. Thanks for the phone call, Greg. When you ask somebody about hitting a home run, what's it feel like? And they go, nothing. Like it's it's effortless. Whereas, you know, you can hit a broken bat single and you have it ringing through your hands. There's just something effortless about this. And and if it's a jump shot, if it's making a tackle, guys will talk about the perfect tackle. How does it feel? And they just said, you know, there's nothing else like it. But it's, it's years and years and years of repetition, though, that come into play. Uh, Rolf in Texas joins us. Hey, Rolf, what's on your mind? Hey, Dan. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I, I wanted to do a follow-up from uh, last week call when I, I was on a conference call with my team. And yeah. one of my team members had his speaker off and uh, was doing the show. So I, uh, I fly up to our corporate headquarters this week, and we have an executive meeting this morning. So it's been a full week. I'm sitting in a room with my peers. We have a uh, conference call going. The music's going just fine, normal conference call music. One of my peers looks at me and says, I thought that we were uh, getting the Dan Patrick show streamed <laughs> through the conference calls now. And I said, oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't hear about that. And he goes, yeah, somebody said. So it went from 16 people on my team to now it's throughout the company. People think that we're streaming. <laughs> Uh, the show. Well, you should be on. Well, what, what was funny to add to the coronavirus piece? It, it, we're taking it very seriously. We have lots of people that travel around a lot of where a lot of places. A lot of companies are shutting down non-essential travel. And uh, one of the guys goes, "Well, if we're not doing it now, we should because you know we're going to shut down a lot of travel, and that might be you know one of the good perks." And the IT guy said, do not let people know that they can stream on the corporate network because it will absolutely shut down our bandwidth. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm there for you, Rolf. Thank you for the follow-up there. He caught one of his employees uh, listening to the show. Yes, Paul. While we're at it, we can mention that everyone in America can watch our show while at work. I don't think anyone should not avoid a couple minutes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hoping that you take down your company. No. I, well, we're not against it. I'm just hoping that uh, you're able to to watch it. You have an understanding boss. It's uh, youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. You know, it feels like we're trying to do with away with the word the. Except for the Ohio State. Golf Channel is not the Golf Channel. It's Golf Channel. It's not the Staples Center. It's Staples Center. Are we we doing away with the? Yeah, see. So are you suggesting then that this should just be Dan Patrick's show, not the Dan Patrick yeah, show? Yeah. I, you know, NFL Network is not the NFL Network. It's NFL Network. But that's old school. It's almost like we're, we're counter now. Yeah, I didn't know. But, I, you know, when I – the big German said, oh, you know, our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. And I said, oh, okay. Why not just Dan Patrick show? So when you close out the end of the hour, say, right, you're yeah. coming up to a break here. Yeah. And you're just going to say, uh, coming up next, we've got uh, this stuff that we're going to go do. That's all coming up next on Dan Patrick Show. Yeah. I would just say on the show. You usually say the Dan Patrick Show. Oh. Or this is the Dan Patrick this Show. Is, That's where your big closeout. Yeah. This is this, Dan this, Patrick this, Show. This is, yeah. I and mean, this. I'm fine with it. I just had somebody say, why, why do you emphasize the Dan Patrick Show? Like there's another Dan Patrick Show? And I went, I didn't give any damn thought to this. I think there was, actually. I don't know if there still is. Oh. But it's more political-based. 
Oh, no, that's uh, that's the uh, attorney. Lieutenant, Lieutenant governor. governor. Yeah. governor. Yeah. But he was a radio guy. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, this is the Dan Patrick the, the, show. The, the. Dan Patrick. Then let's do T-H-E-E. The. <laughs> yes, McLovin. Is that these people wanted to save three letters in Twitter that they started getting rid of the? Is that some, remember, people are tweeting and they want to get all those uh, whatever their conjunctions are. I don't know. I, somebody was at, just asked me that, and I figured you guys might know. Yeah, Paul. Remember the scene in The Social Network? I think, was it Social Network? The Social Network. Yeah. I think it's The Social Network, where Justin Timberlake's character goes, drop the the, just make it Facebook. Yeah. And he goes, oh, man. Yeah. The Facebook. Facebook. The Motley Crew. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. I heard, I, I saw where the Motley Crew is going to be in town this month, I think. No. I, Here? I, yes. Milford, Connecticut? I, I saw. Oysterfest? Google. I think Motley Crue is... The Motley Crue? The Motley Crue is going to be in town. It's not possible. They just had a few years ago their final tour ever. It's never happening again. Was it final tour or the final tour? The The Motley Crue. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcasts. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. 